Good morning, everyone. My name is Zachary Ford. Uh, I want to first thank the Franklin Church of Christ for inviting me out this morning. All right, uh, you guys didn't have to do that, and every time I Seats. come, <laughs> is that me? <laughs> if there was something inside of me that spoke, <laughs> I, I think I need to go get checked. <laughs> but um, I want to thank everybody uh, that's here this morning. I want to thank the church for inviting me out. You didn't have to do that, but I really do appreciate the opportunity to share God's word with fellow believers. Um, I also know that we have somewhere to go to fill our bellies. So I'm going to fill your ears, and I'm going to get you spiritually fed, and I'm going to do it fast enough that you will have to take a spiritual to-go plate home. <laughs> so every verse that's behind me is going to have, every point has two verses. I'll read one verse, and then make sure you're taking notes so that you can take the second verse with you. And next time I see you, let's reference that. Let's have a conversation, all right? Uh, today, I want us to go into Hebrews chapter 11 again. Our key scripture came from and while we're turning there I don't want to be rude and not introduce myself like I said I'm Zachary Ford I'm from Nashville Tennessee I am a member of the Schrader Lane Church of Christ uh, Schrader Lane Church of Christ is right next to Tennessee State off Jefferson Street if you're ever in Nashville there is no lane like Schrader Lane so be, uh, please by all means come visit with us um, I'm 25 years old, and the thing about me is I'm really energetic, and I really love the Lord, but I really love the Lord, and I'm really energetic because for so long I was energetic without the Lord. For so long I was energetic about things that didn't have anything to do with the Lord, and I realized once, once I realized how the Lord was working in my life, I understood that I had to give him my energy. I can't give the NFL all my energy. I can't give... 2K19, all my energy. I have to give the Lord more energy than all those things. And so as I come to share this um, lesson with you today, I want you to keep in mind what we're up against and some of the things that we'll be discussing so that you'll understand where I'm coming from, but you'll also understand what's at stake. Amen? So let me go ahead and turn with this. As you're sitting in Hebrews, I'll read it for uh, emphasis and then introduce you to the lesson. It says in the King James Version, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God, so that things which were seen were not made up of things which do appear. There is a, a phrase that a lot of people like to say when you think about the word fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Keep that in the back of your mind as we go into our, our lesson. As you can see on the screen, the lesson is entitled 2020 Faith for a 2020 Vision. Now, in Bible class this morning, we spoke on how, you know, a lot of people in here have glasses. 2020 Vision is as clear as it gets. But when you have glasses, you're looking through like 205 over 16 and, and all types of crazy ways just to get your eyes to be able to see what other people see. But 2020 is as clear as your vision can get for a human. And I would like for us to do something this week, which is have a clear vision or a clear understanding, or in this case, a clear faith, so that when we look to the next decade, which is literally right around the corner, 10 years has already passed, we're on 2020, I want us to know what we're up against, and I want us to know how we can approach it the best way possible. So. Romans 10:17 is a key verse for you, and 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. If you wouldn't mind, turn there for me now. 
As I said, everything I have today has two verses. I will only go over one with you uh, for time's sake. So if you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. And please forgive me if, if I turn to too many scriptures. I'm just a Bible thumper. It's, I, I, I love getting into the scriptures. It, it makes everything so much clearer. 5 verse 7 reads, For we live by believing and not by seeing. For we live by believing and not by seeing. King James Version, and a lot of people quote it, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Today I want to introduce to you an acronym for faith. F-A-I-T-H. The F stands for formal. The A stands for active. The I stands for intentional. The T stands for tested. And the H last but not least, stands for holy. When we serve the God that we serve, we must understand that he wants us to have faith. He even says, I just want you to have the faith of a mustard seed. The faith of a mustard seed can get you way more than you ever imagined. And when we put those acronym together, a formal, active, intentional, tested, and holy faith, I, I, I believe that aligns just right with what God would like from you. So let's go into it a little more. What we need most in this world is faith. A lot of the things that we do have faith in usually don't give us the return that we'd like. I have faith in the banks. But if the banks get hacked, which cybersecurity is a huge thing right now, I'm only guaranteed up to however much the FDIC will give me. So if I have four times what the FDIC will give me, my faith is only on how much they'll pay me back. If I have a friend or a, 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 a partner I would like for them to come help me move my couch. Well, I know that you said you're coming. But if something happens, oh my goodness, my faith is in, is in a human. My faith is in Nashville traffic. <laughs> my faith is in having to get to point A to point B in a certain time frame. There's so much limitation and constriction dealing with my faith. But when I'm dealing with the Lord, when I'm dealing with the Father, they never disappoint on the faith. They never disappoint on the return on my investment. I shouldn't be the person that's disappointing on the return in their investment. And so as we look at some of these things, I want us to first think about a formal faith. Uh, uh, we serve a God that is formal. And the way that I broke it down to my high school students, because at Straight Lane, I, I teach the high school Sunday school class, and they bring their greetings to you as well. They were a little upset that I wasn't in class this morning. But I'll make it up to them next week. Um, what I broke down to them was, what are the Ten Commandments? And it was amazing to me that the children only knew like five commandments. They knew the, the basics. They knew the like life sentence in the United States. Like, so don't kill, don't steal, uh, no other guys before me. Those are like their favorite three. They didn't remember don't cover your neighbor. They didn't remember any of those other ones. And, and, and we broke down how God is formal. And because he's formal, he has a set way of doing things. The definition of formal is synonymous with uh, certified, approved, and when we think about being approved by God and certified by God, we know that if I can do it the way that he wants, I don't have anything to worry about. But if I try to appease him the way I want, I've got a lot to worry about. So we do serve a formal God. We also serve an active God. And when I say I serve an active God, the scripture that comes to mind is, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, pause. He gave his only begotten son, the God that we serve, the creator, did something. And not only did he do something, but he did something that was so powerful, not only to just him, 
but to us as well, that we know that our God is alive, that he's moving, that he is active. He has promised us certain things, and he's never failed on any of his promises, so we can trust him. We also serve an intentional God. Now, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever shall believe in him shall have everlasting life. That's as intentional as it gets. Come believe in my son, and I will let you live for eternity. Come be with my son, and you can live like me, with me. Oh, my goodness. That's an intentional God. We also have a God that has been tested. A man that I love the most in the Bible, his name is Gideon. Gideon tested the Lord. And, and, and when you read other people testing God, it doesn't really work out as well sometimes. But, but Gideon gets complimented by God and then tests him. And then the test passed, and then he tests him one more time. Then the test passed, and Lord, I know that you're, you're real, but let's just get one more test in. So Gideon tested the Lord, and God always pass, passes any test that man lays before him. And last but not least, we, we serve a holy God. We serve a God that was so holy that not just any man could touch the Ark of the Covenant. We serve a God that was so holy that not just any man could walk in the tabernacle. We serve a God that was so holy that when Moses went and saw him and came back down to see the people that were just like him, he had to put a veil over his face because the God that we serve was so holy that, that it just radiated off of him. Being in his presence radiates right off of him to the rest of the people. And they were like, oh, no, Moses, you got to do something different. I want us to see that because we serve a God that fits all these dynamics, we ourselves as God's children, as heirs to the throne, we must fit those dynamics as well. And I, I hope you can see this because the format that it gave me was pretty small. But we're going to start, and it's going to be weird. It's going to be F-A-I-T-H, right? But where is this biblically? Where is, where is the acronym for formal, active, intentional, tested, and holy faith? Is that just something that Zach Ford created? Well, no. I, I can't take credit for it. The Lord created it but we just put the puzzle pieces together and made it presentable. So what I first want you to turn to is Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Turn with me there. Ecclesiastes 5.1, but please take the note of Hosea 6.6. 6. My high school class at home was upset that I wasn't there because we're concluding the book of Hosea. And children, or at least high school students, should really take a look at the book of Hosea. It is extremely valuable. So we're in Ecclesiastes... Chapter 5, verse 1. And it reads, As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Now that doesn't mean coming here and not sing. That doesn't mean coming here and not fellowship. That doesn't mean coming here and not be friendly and cordial to your brothers and sisters. What that means is, as we claim to believe in God, when I enter the church house on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, or if I just come to cut the grass or trim the hedges, whatever I do, whenever I enter the house of the Lord, I should put my mind and the things that I wrestle with to the back so that I can enter into the house of the Lord as humbly as possible. How many times do we come into church on a Sunday morning thinking about the Alabama-Auburn game last night? Some of y'all are better than me. I was a little upset. Like, what happened? When, when, I, when I come into the house of the Lord, how many times am I thinking about the date I went on last night or the babysitter that overcharged me and my child has a bruise on their knee? 
or something like that, we, we bring in the outside issues and they end up becoming the commercials through the sermon. They end up becoming the commercials through communion. They end up interrupting what God is trying to fully do, which is allow us to give him an audience, which is allowing us to have him as our audience. If we come into the house of the Lord and our mouths and our minds are dedicated 100% to his will, I guarantee you he will be proud and approve of our worship. But when we come in with all the knickknacks and the paddywhacks and the things that are just distracting us, you can't guarantee that God is proud of that because he is a formal God and he likes things done a certain way. Ooh, sorry about that. The next place I want you to turn to is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. And one brave soul, you can turn by yourself to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, because you will be blessed. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Now, that was for a formal faith. This is for the active side of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Young people in this audience, let me tell you, as you go to school, sometimes you can't think about taking a math test for God. What kind of God would make me take this Algebra 2 test? Like when you're a, a, a young adult and you're going through the stages of adulting and you don't get the job in your field so you have to work at Chili's. You don't always think that God is with you working at Chili's. You're under like, hmm, I, I don't know about all this working for the Lord. If, if I'm in church, I can do godly things. If I'm working with Christians, I can do godly things. But when I'm in the world, uh, I'm in the world but not of the world, but I do have to look like the world to kind of camouflage. No, sir. No, ma'am. The Bible tells us very clearly, whether you're eating, whether you're drinking, matter of fact, whatever you do, let's cut the gray area out. Do it all for the glory of God. Please keep in mind that as we want to have an active faith, just like we serve an active God, every decision that we make has a part to play in our spiritual nature. Every person that we meet and we interact with has a part to play in our spiritual nature. So every morning that we wake up, we should be actively looking to serve the Lord in some, uh, some capacity even if that's going above and beyond on the job, at school, even if you're retired, going above and beyond in some capacity to serve or to be shown and seen as a true child of the Most High. Let's constantly be active so that we can serve the active God that we serve. Uh, we can serve the active God that serves us. Next, I want you to turn down here with me to 1 Peter chapter 6. 1 Peter chapter 6, verse 7. Well, don't turn to 1 Peter chapter 6, verse 7, because I told you I'd only give you one verse. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. It's just a little bit more powerful. It kind of packs a bigger punch. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And thank you so much, Sawyer, for singing that song about faith. That's the spirit. Amen. Verse 1 says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too 
when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. We're talking about intentionality here. We serve a God that is so intentional that he's created everything to go along with his will. Now, we know he hasn't created evil. We know he hasn't created bad. We know he hasn't created anything on the negative side of life. That's all things that man and Satan have worked together to do. But everything good and everything positive and everything fruitful comes from the Lord our God. And when we think about how intentional he is, let's look at it like this. The same breath of life that was breathed into Adam, the same spirit of the Lord that brought the green grass, the trees, all the animals to life in Genesis, and then the same spirit that allows the dew to water all of these plants before Noah and the rain comes. I mean, these are some beautiful plants in my imagination. The beginning of the world, wow, come on now. That's the same spirit that he says, I will give you. Sometimes we look at Jesus and we say, oh, Jesus, I, I love me some Jesus. I, I just can't do anything without Jesus. And that's the fact. But even Jesus himself said, I will leave you with someone better than me. Oh, my goodness. That someone better than me is the spirit of the Lord that provides life no matter where and no matter what and no matter how. The spirit of the Lord, his job is to only do this, bring into remembrance what Christ has taught us. So as much as you love Christ, you have to love the Spirit just that much more because its job is to emphasize and secure everything that Jesus has taught you. So it gives you the strength and the power to walk out into the earth and to not fear death, to not fear people downing you or discussing your name in a negative way, to not fear any type of earthly or any type of physical issue or dealing because you have the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, although you might not want to die today, you know for a fact that God has your back. If you go to the hospital, the Lord is going right there with you. If you go to your friend's house to help them out, the Lord is going right there with you. If you walk into your enemy's camp, the Lord is going right there with you. That's the type of intentionality that we serve. So it's the type of intentionality that we must give, not only to the rest of the world, but back to the Father that gives it to us. Keep that in mind. Romans chapter 5, 1 through 5. And now we'll turn over to Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. And I, I know I'm making good time because back home, we're, we're like 40 minutes in sometimes. Like, I'm going to get you guys out of here at 22. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. And it reads, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. I would venture to say that, that when we think about the Lord and we think about our relationship with God, you know firsthand that you haven't believed to the best of your ability. And he still came through. Lord, I just don't know what's going to happen. 
I've done everything in my power and it didn't work. So Lord, I'm gonna come to you and, and hey, you know, whatever your will be, let it be done. I, I doubt you're gonna give me what I'm looking for. Well, hey, you did. You gave me everything I was looking for. I can't believe I wasted so much time trying to fix my own issues when you, my father, gave me everything that I could need. Not only maybe materialistically, but he gave you peace when your friends and your family didn't have that. And he gave you safety and he gave you security amongst people such as everyone in this room because so many people in this world do not have it. As we spoke on this morning when we're talking about the children and we're talking about the future of our congregation, let us not forget that we have people that we have to serve and when the Lord serves us and we're undeserving, how many times can we go and serve people that are undeserving as well? Keep in mind in this last verse when he says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. What is tested is my faith. But trust me, because I love the Lord, even if I have faith that I feel like I might fail this test, God says, I will make it right. I'll take care of it because you believe in my son. Just as my son had told you, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. And if that's the case, you're untouchable. You're covered. Does that mean that we can sin anymore? Does that mean we can take our, 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 our progress for granted? No, not by any means. But it does give us the hope to know that our faith will be tested and we will pass every time, even if we feel like we might not pass. Because the more we stay closer to the sun, the more we have an example and the more we have some security in understanding and knowing that God is working. And not only is he working, but when he tests my faith, I'll pass it every time. Thank you, Christ. Before you, I couldn't do it. I had to bring sacrifices. Before you, I couldn't do it. I had, to, I had to wait for somebody to come to my city and prophesy to me on what God wanted to say. But thanks to you, Christ, I can learn what God needs me to do. I can hear what God has to say. And now when my faith gets tested at work or in the neighborhood, guess what? I'm going to pass. And I'm going to pass because of you. Thank you, Christ. That's the type of attitude that we must have as we go forward. Because what we're up against in this world, family, before we get to holy, what we're up against in this world is something that we've never had to experience before. Let's be honest. We might have thought that we had experienced homosexuality by watching the movie Philadelphia. But you've never experienced it like it's coming down the pipeline nowadays. Trust me. We have things and people that we must protect. Not only from that, but from thieves. Thieves that want to steal our energy. They want to steal our emotions. They want to steal our money. They want to steal our time. People out here are looking to take. The Lord says that, hey, if you rely on me, I got your back. And if I have your back, you'll have to do a couple of things. You just, just, just take care of some of the loose ends. Just tighten it up a little bit. Believe in me a little bit more. Lean on my everlasting arm just a little bit more. Go out on faith, not blind faith. You ever watch Indiana Jones? And Indiana Jones, he, he sees that, but he's running, and he closes his eyes, and he jumps. But that's not Christians. <laughs> Christians have true faith, logical, reason-backed reason -backed faith. And that faith we must take everywhere that we go so that we can fight the wiles of the earth and the wiles of the devil and raise our children and our friends and family to get to the position of heaven that God has elevated us to. Last point, and then I'll give you maybe two more scriptures. I'm feeling good about these scriptures. We're in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 through 16. 1 Peter is some men, some men in this room's favorite book. And when I said I wasn't going to 1 Peter, I know they were a little hurt. Oh, man, he's not going to 1 Peter. I'm coming right back. 
First Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. And when I have it, it reads, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. I want us to see that in this scripture, I'm in the New Living Translation version when I read this now. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are, slave, you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. When we think about being holy, the priest in the days of David or in the days of Samuel, the priest had to keep themselves to a very high standard. That standard was so high that they couldn't eat certain foods, had to wear certain garments. They couldn't do certain things. They couldn't go certain places unless God told them. And usually when we look at how people view holiness now, it is a bunch of men on the podium or here in the stage and a bunch of people in the audience and they feel as if that these people are picked. These people are chosen. And because they're chosen, we want to reach out to them rather than reach out to God for our security and our safety. Because God has picked them to be holy. I tell you that today you are made free in Christ from the sins and from the ways of the world to rely on just man. But now you are a new slave. And the benefit to being a new slave or the benefit to being an employee of the Lord is that your payment might not come in a dollar amount, but it does come eternally. And because it comes eternally, the holiness that the God that we serve has is ever so great. We couldn't have served a better master until we started thinking about Jesus Christ. Years ago, people used to look at God and they used to say, the Lord is a tyrant. They used to look at God and they'd say that he's greedy or that he's selfish or that he doesn't do the things that he says he'll do. But we know for a fact, due to, uh, due to the scriptures, that the God that we serve is not only holy, but he is pure. And not only is he pure, but he does no wrong. So for me to be with him, no matter how, wrong I've, how much wrong I've done in the past, or no matter how unholy I think I am, because I'm with him who has not a blemish, guess what? I get my blemishes removed. Guess what? I'm just as holy as the Son of God. And because I'm just as holy as the Son of God, we have to go and share that holiness. We have to go teach the world that you yourself can be holy. You yourself can rise to the occasion and be elevated above all men because all men will pass away at one period in time. But those are in Christ will never pass away. Those that are in Christ have life given to them that they can actually have tangibly when the time is ended. With that, I want you to understand that in 2020, and as I start to yield my time, in 2020, you're going to see some things that you never thought you'd see. Glory be to God, you're going to feel some benefits that you've never thought that you'd feel. Unfortunately, and I pray that we all lean on God when this happens, you're going to experience some loss that you never thought you would experience. And when that comes, the only way that you can stay whole and stay ready for every occasion, like 2 like Timothy 2, 20 and 21 said, is to lean on God. And it sounds cliche. It sounds like something people just love to say, but you have got to lean on God. And leaning on God does not look comfortable. Leaning on God does not look like what your neighbor does to lean on God. Leaning on God looks like going home 
and cutting everything off from TVs to lights and just sitting there praying to God for minutes on minutes, hours on hours. Please, Lord, I am talking to you and I know that you're listening. Please talk to me back. And I guarantee you that when you open your word after a couple minutes of just praying to him, he will send you to where you should go. He will show you what he wants to tell you. He's not just speaking to you in a dream. I mean, I, I can't say that brothers and sisters haven't experienced that, but, you know, I can't advertise that a brother and sister would experience that. But I can tell you that God has spoken to all his people through this word of God. It's the only book that has never been fully changed as old as it really is. Keep this in mind. In 2020, we ourselves can rise to the occasion to have a formal faith. Not like these people that are in the world now that are studying humanism and postmodernism and, and the people that are looking as hard as they can to make the world understand that man is the big dog. Man is in control. We give life, we take life. We have that power. No, sir. Not in my neighborhood, not in my neck of the woods. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In 2020, I want you to have that attitude. And it's not just me, Zachary Ford from Nashville. I mean, I could tell you that, and it might be valuable to some, but if the Lord told you that today, how valuable would it be? I'll tell you this right here, and then we'll turn to one more scripture, so go ahead and turn while I'm telling you 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. I was talking to a young lady one time. Her name is Brianca Dow. She works with our youth program at Schrader. And I asked her, I said, have you ever known a parent to do a full 180 turnaround in their household? Have you ever known a parent to change any and everything that they possibly can to give their child the best life possible without a traumatic or life-changing experience happening? And she thought, and she thought, and she said, I'll get back to you. And in two days, she got back to me, and she said, no, I've never encountered that. Now, we're not parents, so you know, we, we can't count for much. But the years that we've spent working with children and the times that we've spent in the church and outside the church working with children, we've never seen parents do a 180 turnaround to give their children the best spiritual life possible. We might see a 180 turnaround for a physical. You can move to another city, move to another state, get a better job, you know, leave a bad situation for abusive dads or abusive mothers, right? But when I, when I see this change or when I see this, I know for a fact that in 2020, we're going to have to come to the realization that God wants us to do a 180 change. Not just parents, but every child of God. And if you haven't been baptized, I know for a fact that here we have water. Is there water? Amen. We have water. You can do that 180 change. But if you've already been baptized, don't fret. You can get a 180 change as well. 180 changes for everybody in this room, but you, you can't get the best one or the one that works best for you by hearing somebody tell you about it. You, you're going to have to get into the word, and you're going to have to see what you personally have to change, how that 180 is going to look. And you can't wait on the 180. My generation, I'm, I'm 25 years old. We have this thing where we want to get married when we're 30, or we want to get a better job when we're 30, and we want to do the things that adults really do right around 30. But if I can, you know, live it up a little bit, stay a little loose in my 20s, I'll benefit more in my 30s. I don't see any facts behind that. I don't. I see the facts that the word tells me that in everything I do, do it for the Lord. So guess what? If the earlier I started dedicating all my decisions to the Lord, <laughs> wow, 
things might look a little bit different than what somebody told me life should be. And if that's the case, then guess what? That's what I want. So in 2020, as you watch the news get worse, as you watch the political sector get funnier, as you watch people in the city start growing so much that people start moving in your neighborhood and you're like, mm-mm, homeowners association, I am calling them now. They got five trucks in the front yard. You know? As you see the things around you start to change, please understand you shouldn't run to Facebook, you shouldn't run to your friends, you shouldn't run to the man that's at the barbershop that comes to the barbershop drunk and, and we go to the barbershop at 9 a.m. You shouldn't run to those people. You should run to the word and let the word tell you what we're having to do as children of God, what we're going to do as children of God, and what God is going to do for his children. Because in 2020, I promise you, I've been praying about it. I've been seeing it. I'm a history major. Patterns don't lie. 2020 is going to be a very weird year, but it's going to start a very weird decade. A lot of our members in this room will be able to go finally be with the Lord. Amen. But a lot of members in this room will be without the guidance and without the security that the older, elder members have accomplished in all those years. And in 2020, I want us to rededicate ourselves to each other. I want us to go learn from each other. I want us to find ways, if you're older, if you're over 60, what can you learn from a 14-year-old? If you're 14, what can you learn from a 40-year-old? If you're 40, what can you learn from an 80-year-old? Let's start making the church look more like the first century rather than a social club. And that's not what this congregation does, but, but we do know brothers and sisters who only go to church because that's where the social aspect of my life is. Not for us, because we have a faith that's formal. We trust the Lord for everything that he says that he wants from us the way he wants it from us. We're active because not only do we come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, not only do we miss practice to get our children here on time, not only do we miss corporate parties or other functions to be in the house of the Lord whenever the doors are open, but we have to live and be the church when we're at work. We have to be the church at the barbershop. We are the temples of the Lord, walking temples. So we have to make sure that our faith is active. We have to be intentional with our faith. You can't just tell somebody something one time and think they got it. Jesus didn't do that. When Jesus went to people, he talked to them, but then his disciples went and talked to him. Did you ever notice that di uh, that di uh, that uh, the dynamics of that? Did you ever notice the dynamics? When Jesus would go to a city, people would split up, all his disciples. He would probably have 12, 12 apostles and about 70 disciples, and they would go to their respective places. Peter would go where the fishermen go. My man uh, was a zealot. He would go to where the zealots go. The tax collector, the former tax collector, he'd go see his old tax collector friends. And they would tell those people about their friend Jesus. And then those people would come see Jesus. And in 2020, that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to go to our respective places. Thank God that we have the gift to be in those places. And we're going to have to tell those people about Christ. And they may not come to this congregation. They may not even walk in the church, uh, in the church doors while you can see them. But if you can plant that seed, trust me, you're going to become a fisher of men. You're going to become, just like they read in the Bible, I see, I see men as trees. That's going to be you. And you're going to be planting more trees. Cedars of Lebanon. That's the type of faith that we must have, the intentional kind. Trust in 2020, your faith will be tested. And although it's going to be tested, don't fret. You will pass the test only if you use the study guide that Christ has for you. And last but not least, in 2020, let's keep our minds focused on what is holy. Because what's holy isn't always human. And that is just fine with us. So our last verse before I give you the invitation. 
It's going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, and it reads, and I'll speed this up. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. For then we will be at home with the Lord. In 2020, all of us can go home to the Lord or make our home with the Lord. We can do this, and we can do this together. I don't think you can see this, but if you have any questions, any contacts, or any questions or any concerns, please email me at youngbrotherzach at gmail.com because we should be asking each other more questions in 2020. Amen? Amen. 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 And with that being said, if you're in this audience today and you have not put the Lord on in baptism, one thing that's a very, a very, very, very heavy benefit to that is that now you become part of the family of God. You see, you can go to church all your life and you can have a Christian family, you can have a church home, but until you put yourself on in baptism in the watery grave and, and kill that old man, that old woman, and distance yourself from that past and let Christ consume you, you're not fully in the family. You, you haven't been grafted in yet. So at this period in time, we allow you to come before us. You allow you to come before God and put yourself on in baptism. We allow you to uh, understand that first you've got to hear the word of God, and once you hear the word of God, you, you will ask questions, and you will question it, and it'll be a little different than usual. But once you hear it and you understand it to be true, then you believe in it. And when you believe in it, belief just causes you to do something. And what it does cause you to do is to come up and to say, I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. There's so many other things that could have saved me. It could have been heroin. It could have been alcohol. It could have been a better job. But they never fulfilled the people that delved into it first. So let me not even run to that. Let me come straight to you, Lord. I confess your son to be my living Savior. And not only that, I repent of the past sins that I had, the past thoughts that I had, and the things that I loved <laughs> to do. But Lord, I don't want to do those anymore because I would love to be with you much longer than I've ever been on this earth. So I repent for those sins, and I would like to put you on in baptism. If you've already completed those five steps, which most of you, I believe, have, do not forget the last step, unto death. So every single morning, guess what? If Jesus Christ is the living water, get, take a bath. Get into some Jesus in the morning. Set your day off right. Hear the word of God. Ponder on it over breakfast or in the car. Don't just turn on the radio unless you've got to get your news updates, right? Don't just do that. Let it get in you. Start to believe what it said because you might not have studied it or heard it that way or thought about it or felt it that way. Hear it. Believe it. Share it. And then repent because we sin every day. And although God says, I do forgive you, it doesn't hurt to ask him for forgiveness. It doesn't hurt to acknowledge that, Father, I have sinned against you, Lord. I admit I've done wrong. I'm just like the prodigal son, and I'm here. I'm on my way back home. So please, family, as we sing our song of invitation, do not hesitate to get blessed today, whether putting him on in baptism or coming up and getting the prayers of the righteous because they do availeth much. This is your time to do so as we sing.